Hello, and welcome to Strange Sound. I'm Joe. Glad to have you with me. Once again, this week, this is episode 71. 71 episodes of this show. I'll bet you've heard every single one of them. If you haven't, you can go back and start from the beginning. Um, I kind of get to a running start eventually. There's some flat spots here and there. A lot of uh, groping around for subject matter. Nothing to be concerned about. Anyway, um, glad to have you with me. My standard disclaimer. The views expressed on Strange Sound are my own. They do not represent the views of anyone associated with me, not my family, not my friends, not my co-workers, not my employer, no one who follows me on Twitter, no one who is friends with me on Facebook. I share my opinions with no one except you. And no one shares my opinions uh, of their own accord, certainly. Is there some coincidence between certain individuals and myself, I'm sure, um, where we see things the same way? Uh, you know, I'm not saying my viewpoint is unique. Far from it. Um, when I um, am expressing the ideas of someone else, I will try to be as open about that as possible to the extent that I am aware that I'm doing it. If not, I do apologize. In any case, here we are, another week, and what a week it's been. Just another week of, you know, America opening up again, <laughs> ready or not, here we come. People, uh, yeah, people going back to work, people going back to restaurants, people going back to live events. It's a little bit freaky to see people not wearing masks after a year and a half of people wearing masks. And again, I live in upstate New York, so a lot of people wore masks up here. A lot of people took it fairly seriously, even though I live in a in kind of a red part of the state. Um, this part of the state went for Trump in the last election. Um, our Congress member is Claudia Tenney, who is a Trumpist. Um, I think it's fair to say. I, I don't know that she would agree with that characterization, but I can say you know, without fear of a contradiction that she is indeed a Trumpist, that she went down and kissed the ring almost first thing upon being uh, reelected to the office. As I mentioned before, she was a Congress member from January 2017 till um, the beginning of the term that started in 2019 um, because she lost in 2018 to uh, Anthony Brindisi. Um, who served for two years, and then they had a photo finish. He and Claudia Tenney had a photo finish election last year that took two months to count. And when they finally came down to it, I've explained this on the show before, when they finally came down to it, uh, Claudia had edged him out by like 110 votes, something like that. And it, a lot of it had to do which votes which votes they decided to count. I think they threw out some provisional ballots, um, so it was really, it was basically a tie, and they gave it to Claudia, uh, which, you know, I mean, she was the winner. A hundred more people voted for her um, in the group of people that they counted. Um, and her first act, practically, upon being returned to the office that she held, you know, between 2017 and 2019, was to run down to Mar-a-Lago and have her picture taken with Trump and go out on the golf course and have him do like an endorsement message for Claudia. And, uh, you know, she recorded a birthday message on video for Donald Trump, which was 
about the most pathetic thing I've ever seen a congressperson do. Um, but again, that's, you know, it's her prerogative. She was elected as our congressional representative and there she goes. She can use, she can use that office in any way she sees fit for the next year and a half. And we'll see what happens when there's an election again. Uh, and that will be what next year and the shape of the district will have changed by then because this is a reapportionment cycle. So it's quite possible that they will uh, gerrymander Claudia out of a seat. I don't really know how they're approaching this. I haven't heard any news on this. I had an exchange with um, our, a local uh, city council member about this, some, some questions as to what she thought. Um, but I really haven't heard any information on how they're planning to handle the redrawing of the districts in New York because New York is going to lose one congressional district as a result of the um, of the 2020 census, which uh, was, you know, a, by all accounts, a significant undercount um, because people were, you know, uh, they were discouraged from participating in the census. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think there's any question but that the Trump administration was not encouraging people to participate in the census, but there was also the COVID thing. People were afraid of that. There was also the uh, crackdown on uh, illegal immigration um, on undocumented people, which, you know, discouraged people from standing up and being counted. Uh, there was a whole host of factors that were playing into why um, New York is losing a district in this uh, in this constant sort of reshuffle of the 435 seats in Congress, uh, a number that hasn't increased in over a century, which is kind of crazy. Um, we should be they should be adding seats, <laughs> just like they should be expanding the Supreme Court, frankly. Um, but they should certainly be expanding Congress a little bit more. Um, and not because there are more states, but because there are more people. Um, and Congress is becoming less and less representative. But in any case, when they reapportion the uh, district lines in New York State, one of these districts is going to disappear. And it could very well be Claudia Tenney's district. I don't know. Hard to say. Um, the process is going to be probably controlled by the Democratic Party in New York because New York is one of the few states that has um, a trifecta of Democratic control, the two houses of the legislature and the governorship, all, all held by Democrats. So uh, I'm not sure what their process is going to be, but my guess is that they're going to eliminate one of the Republican seats upstate here. Um, and we'll see. You know, that might be Claudia. But whether it is or not, the shape of this district is going to change. Um, very likely. The shape of this district is going to change considerably. And I don't know whether that means it's going to be a more progressive district next time around in uh, the fall of 22, or if it's going to be um, a more conservative district. Uh, I, I don't, I have no idea. So it's really hard to know. I, I can say that in 
I'll stay on this a little bit longer. This isn't really what I was going to talk about today necessarily, but just because I'm on it, let me finish this. Um, Anthony Brindisi, our uh, Democratic Congress member from the last two years, has announced that he is not going to run in 2022. Um, He says that it's because he wants to spend more time with his family and didn't want to go back, which is a little strange because he had run, you know, sort of actively for a second term and he lost. Uh, So it's a little kind of mind boggling that he's saying, well, I want to stay around the area. Okay. But you only lost by a hundred votes. I think part of the reason I'm guessing, I don't know the truth of this, but my guess is that part of the reason why he doesn't want to commit to running um, is that he doesn't know what shape the district is going to be. He doesn't know what kind of a race it's going to be. And people don't want to put resources into a race that they can't win. I mean, it's, it, it's a really difficult problem to solve when you're considering running for Congress, because running for Congress now takes enormous amounts of money. And <laughs> if you're looking at you know, well, what's the shape of the district going to be? What kind of a constituency is it going to be? It's not going to be the same constituency as the one I represented for two years. What is it going to be? So my guess is that he probably looked at that and, you know, it's a little bit up in the air. Uh, Maybe, you know, who knows? They might combine this district or this part of the district with like Stefanik's district and then he would have to run against the you know, Republican caucus leader, which would be almost impossible to win. Um, So uh, who knows? Um, Who knows what the reasoning is? The only declared candidate I've heard about so far to challenge Claudia Tenney is a, um, and I only just heard about this today, I think. And this, I should say, today is is Saturday. Yes, July 10th. Saturday, July 10th. Um, I just heard about an independent candidate running for the 22nd district seat. Uh, sounds like a kind of muddle in the middle kind of guy. Um, he was a little bit critical of Trump, which is nice, but he's also a Navy veteran, whatever. I'm not going to say his name because it, frankly, I don't remember his name, <laughs> but <laughs> cause I only just heard about him today, but I haven't really heard about anyone else interested in running for the seat because once again, we don't know what the shape of the seat is going to be. We don't know what the shape of the district is going to be. We don't know what the constituency is going to be. So nobody knows whether they want to run or not. And that's that's a reasonable that's a reasonable stumbling block, right? So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Anyway, as is typically my habit, um, sort of random asides put aside for a moment. Um, as I did digress here, um, what I typically do on Strange Sound now is I read my latest blog post, which was from yesterday, the 9th. So um, as is my habit of late, I will read my latest blog post. And you can read this blog post at big-green.net. Follow the blog tab and click through. It should be probably the second post in the uh, main listing. Um, If you click on political rants, the category political rants, it will be the first one. 
Uh, the title of this post is When Labor Remembers How to Say No. And it's dated July 9th, 2021, which was Friday. And it goes something like this. What keeps a worker going to the job day after day, even if she or he hates it like fire? The need for money, mostly, right? During the pandemic, however, that need was outweighed by something more basic, namely the desire to stay alive. When going to work began to entail risking your life for a broad swath of workers, those who had a choice in the matter chose to remain at home. The government made some effort to facilitate this, at least in some segments of the economy. There were those deemed essential workers who were compelled to risk their lives. This included many undocumented immigrants who picked our food and cared for our elderly while we hid from COVID. Now that Americans are being strongly encouraged to return to their desks, their machines, their stations, etc., many are reluctant to do so. No doubt some folks have decided that this was an opportune time to drop out of the workforce entirely. Others are not convinced it's safe. But I suspect many are holding back from returning to their crappy jobs because, frankly, they've had it with that shit, and who can blame them? Okay, so enter Donnie Deutsch, some second-generation ad man who shows up on MSNBC every five minutes to share some rhetorical pearls of dubious provenance. Deutsch squeezed out this gem on Twitter the other day, then expanded on it when he appeared on Morning Joe, and goes something like this. Has the American work ethic softened? Maybe a little too much coddling of employees going on, just saying... So apparently this trust fund baby feels like capital isn't disciplining labor sufficiently in the wake of the COVID shutdown. He feels like employers are being too flexible and are letting their workers work from home, etc. That's undermining the, quote, work ethic, unquote. I know he doesn't own his dad's business anymore, but if he did, I could tell you exactly why his employees wouldn't be returning to the office. It likely wouldn't occur to someone like Deutsch that there is an obvious capitalist solution to the problem he's describing. It's called pay people more. It's called treat them better. Most of the jobs he's talking about are ones that can easily be done remotely. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that all this driving back and forth to office complexes is a tremendous waste of energy and resources. Even with many people choosing to stay out for a variety of reasons, I imagine a large percentage of those who've returned to the office work for an employer who is doing what Deutsch so admires, demanding that they sit at their workstation and look busy. Times like these, I truly think that capitalism only survives by virtue of worker complacency, hopelessness, and cynicism. When some outside factor like COVID shakes things up for a hot moment, they can see the stupidity of this owner-wage-slave relationship, and start demanding more. There's your silver lining. Love you, Joe. That's my little furious rant for the week. Um, again, you can find that at big-green.net under the blog tab under political rants. And uh, please, like it, share it, um, comment on it, dislike it, excoriate me, whatever. Just react. I want to hear from you. In any case, uh, yeah, that was my, that was sort of set off by that 
that um, appearance by Donnie Deutsch on uh, Morning Joe, which uh, my my wife watches in the morning. And I hear it sort of in the background as I'm getting things ready, as I'm readying myself for work. And uh, it's, and I also heard it repeated on, I think Majority Report um, did a story on it or did a take on it um, and played the, the clip. And it's just, it's, it's kind of astonishing to me, the cynicism of this, um, this kind of finger wagging at workers with, you know, the relative powerlessness of workers over the last 30 or 40 years, the, the erosion of power that workers have over the past 40 years, steadily over the decades, uh, so that people feel um, insecure enough that they're willing to put up with just about anything. What I was trying to get at in this column is simply that, you know, part of the reason why um, employers can impose these kind of arbitrary standards on people in exchange for their labor is because because of this fear, you know, that they're going to be tossed out in the street, that they're not going to be able to afford to pay the rent, that, you know, there's going to be no other job and that they, there's plenty of people ready to take their job in their, in their stead. And I think what COVID did was for a moment, a hot moment, People were asked to stay home. Those people who could stay home and work from home were asked to stay home, that they were compensated for staying home. And this has got capital's hair on fire. People like Donnie Deutsch represent, you know, this this sort of capitalist class that is, you know, that, that looks at this with a real sense of terror. You know, because people are losing the discipline that they've meted out to them over the last four decades. You know, this this fear of not coming to the office. And that they're realizing that in a lot of the types of positions that we're able to work remotely, that the idea of just coming into the office is, is completely stupid and useless, particularly now. Now, I don't know about anybody else. I I like to go into the office myself. I I like I I have a slight preference for dividing work from home, you know, keeping work and home separate because that to me that feels more comfortable. I don't feel like I'm always on, but that's because I live very close to my work. That's because I have a decent work environment where I, where I work. That's because I have better tools at work than I have at home. You know, so I have a bunch of personal reasons why that works better for me. But as far as like the necessity of having someone be at a desk in a building um, that's owned by the company as opposed to being at a desk in their in their home and doing the same work, it's completely arbitrary. And it's, you know, it's a kind of arbitrariness that can be enforced because we live in a system where the enterprise is owned by the owners and not not managed by the workers. It's really just about who pulls the strings um, and who controls the purse, right? Who controls 
the premises. And if they say they want you there, then you got to be there. And yeah, people have, people have uh, sort of, in some respects, kind of realized their power a little bit as workers. Um, we got a long way to go. <laughs> we got a lot of organizing to do before they can really sort of apply their power in a more uh, system systematic way, a more effective way. I don't think uh, we're necessarily on the on the uh, verge of some kind of worker revolution. Not at all. But if COVID taught us one thing, it's that, yeah, you can kind of stay home for months. And yeah, it's, it is survivable. And yeah, a lot of people are kind of deciding, well, maybe I don't need that job after all. Um, and, and that's, and a lot of people feel like it's still a risk and with some justification. I mean, particularly in some States where the vaccination rate is particularly low, it is a risk. There's, there's still risk out there. This disease is still killing people, killing people kind of pointlessly. I mean, there's no reason why that should be happening still, but it's still happening mostly because the right has decided to make a political football out of this out of getting a vaccine. You know, they for some reason they've latched on to that as as some kind of political cudgel to use against the other side. Which is just crazy. It's totally crazy. I, I don't understand that at all. Except that it's it was their opportunity, right? So they had an opportunity to say, you know, oh, so the the liberals are trying to make you do something that you don't want to do. You know, this is like Nazi Germany. Everything's like Nazi Germany to them. <laughs> except Nazi Germany, right? I mean, it's nuts. But yeah, I mean, that's my my perspective on work is is kind of idiosyncratic, um, mostly because my own work experience has been weird from the beginning. Um, I've only really worked as an office worker for probably about 25 years and I'm a late boomer. So I'm in my early sixties. Um, so it's really just the second half of my professional life was as a office worker. The first half was, was as an itinerant, you know, a contractor as a musician, as a instrument teacher, as you know, any number of different things, <laughs> whatever I could do to make ends meet. And, uh, yeah, I didn't have it as rough as a lot of people did, but it's, there were, there were some lean years, lean years for a, you know, white cisgender male, um, who has a family that will catch you when you fall. And when I was younger, I did have that. And, you know, that's not something everyone has. And I realized that. So I had the luxury of, of sort of being a little more casual about the kind of work that I did and trying to do things that I sort of half liked as opposed to stuff that I couldn't stand. But I mean, my perspective on work is partly informed by that and partly just informed by, you know, the fact that I'm a leftist. I've been a lifelong leftist and, and I, you know, I'm a believer in the power of, of workers and the power of the unemployed and the power of the poor. You know, I, I think I believe in the preferential <laughs> option for the poor. <laughs> I believe, you know, 
people have rights that outweigh the rights of businesses and privately owned enterprises and unaccountable power. I believe that, you know, privately owned enterprises are, are unaccountable power. You know, they, that's the power that we need to overcome. Um, always the case, right? So anyway, what else have I got on this? I'm not sure. Not sure what else to say other than um, it's really, I find it really discouraging to hear people talk about, you know, um, how how people are just want to be on the dole and they, they don't want to work anymore. They're getting used to being on the dole. And I feel it's important to remind people that it's not easy to be on unemployment, even if they are sort of enhancing unemployment in some states. It's not easy to be on unemployment, even in a state like New York, where you know they, they do have the federal enhancement to unemployment for a limited number of weeks. You still have to seem like you're looking for a job. I mean, you still have to jump through some hoops to get that money. It's not as simple as that. And this is in a state that's relatively friendly to the idea of, you know, paying people to stay home if they need to stay home. So, I mean, making it sound like people are just choosing to stay out because they don't want to work is just nuts. And yet I hear people say this sort of thing all the time. I mean, I had a friend of mine said to me the other day, it's like, well, people just don't want to work anymore. Um, no, that's not true. I mean, I don't blame people for not wanting to work, right? But it isn't because they can sit on the, you know, on on the 600 bucks they get from combined, you know, federal assistance and state unemployment. I, I really don't think that's the case. That runs out relatively quickly. <laughs> and I think it's I think part of it is that they just, they're realizing how crappy their job was, right? Now, is there an intrinsic reason why having a job at, say, Walmart should be a crappy job? Uh, I think Robert Pollan said years ago, you know, there's no reason why that should be a, there's no um, intrinsic reason why that should be a shitty job. It doesn't have to be a shitty job, right? Um, And that's true of any, you know, crap employer. I mean, it's true of Amazon, right? If Bezos is earning tens of billions of dollars, you know, salting it away in his own personal fortune, he could certainly afford to hire more people. He could certainly afford to pay his people better. He could certainly afford to pay his warehouse workers better. He doesn't have to stuff it all in his pockets and in the pockets of his shareholders. There's no reason for that. Is there some compelling reason for him to do that? It's just that he does it because he can. You know, and until we find a way of telling these people that they can't run their enterprise that way, then they're going to do it that way, right? He's going to stuff money in his pockets and send himself up into space when he wants to go and, you know, just find ways to blow money. You know, build a spaceship that looks like his dick, basically, and then launch himself into space in it. 
<laughs> because he can't think of other ways to spend his money. Because it's an unspendable amount of money. As I've said in previous episodes, it's not money after that point. When you were into the tens of billions of dollars, it's really just about power. It's just about power. It's the power to influence policy on a national level. <sighs> and it's unaccountable. It's completely unaccountable. <laughs> Somebody like Bezos or Bill Gates or uh, Warren Buffett or whoever, they don't have to listen to anybody. They don't have to listen to anybody. They have practically free range. That is unaccountable. And it's unacceptable. So, you know, the way I see it, let's, uh, instead of uh, complaining about coddling workers like Donnie Deutsch does on MSNBC, let's uh, complain about coddling billionaires and millionaires and people who do really well out of this economy. The people who derive the most benefit out of this economy. It's not the workers. It's not the houseless, the unhoused as they call them now. You know, it's it's not the poor who get a crust every once in a while from the government. It's the rich who are cleaning up. And people are cleaning up. Even in my own community, people are cleaning up. I mean... <laughs> The price of real estate, this is a small upstate community. The price of real estate around here is, is going through the roof. It's because there's people, I think, coming from outside of the community who have a lot of money who are bidding up the, the price of housing. When there's a house for sale, you know, they're bidding it up into the, I mean, around here, a $400,000 house is a very expensive home. And... <laughs> You know, they're they're paying more than the asking price, right? <laughs> There's a fair number of people up here with a, with a lot of money, wherever they're getting it from. And, you know, they're kind of setting the bar higher for everybody. All the sort of common folk. The people who just make a living around here, sort of. It's hard to make a living around here. Always has been. And likely always will be. Until we... Uh, do something about it, right? Oh boy. Okay. Well, I'm rambling. In any case, I think that's all I got for today. I'd like to hear what you have to say. You can leave a one minute voice message when you go to anchor.fm slash strange sound. You'll find the means of doing so. You can also contact me by going to big-green.net and clicking on the contact tab, you'll find ways to get in touch with me. If you want to reach out to the show on Twitter, we're at Strange Sound Pod. Uh, that's our official account. Um, we also have a Facebook page. You can find links to that on uh, anchor.fm slash strange sound. Um, you can also find a link to the strange sound landing page on anchor.fm. If you go to big screen.net <laughs> and click on podcasts and you'll see a badge for strange sound. You just follow that and you'll get linked over to that. And there's ways to get in touch with me. So please, by all means, reach out. Let me know what you think. If you disagree with me, tell me, you know, tell me about it. 
let's turn this into a conversation. I've been saying it for a year and a half. And I do mean it. I'm not just trying to goad you. Please, let me know that you exist. In any case, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week. Stay well. Be safe. We'll see you next time.